Ah, yes, friends. On a Monday, it is OGP, the One Giant Podcast, and we are your hosts, Adam Armbrecht, Andy Makowitz, who is, nevertheless, as we say through this long season, still healthy, wealthy, and wise. How are we on a Monday morn? I'm just excited that we're into Christmas week. Okay. I, you know, listen, big time around the holidays for the the Mac family over here. Uh, like to get together, eat, eat some uh, some different foods, uh, and uh, have just quite a bit of libations. And the fact that we have football, like is, you know, seven out of the next nine days or something like that is really, really nice. Yeah. Protocol is really giving, uh, you know, just football fans in general, an opportunity to fill their schedule. I'm sure that uh, significant others all across this great land are, are just so excited to say up, 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 Tuesday night, got a couple of things I need to take care of here and right into uh, you say Christmas and everything else. So now, man, listen, I, I, I like it. I'm excited for it. Hopefully, uh, everyone has a nice little holiday. I find, uh, and you would agree with me, Andy, here too, because uh, sometimes you host a lot of these events. But uh, last couple of years, I like to make like one specific item. I don't mean like only one I made every year, but there's always one thing. If you execute it properly, you can show up to whatever occasion and really be remembered for making, oh man, remember that dessert that Adam made? My God, that was delicious. Don't overextend yourself, people. You, you gotta have you gotta have a signature like you yes. have to have it and so that when people see you they're like oh can you bring that thing that you do really good and um you know speaking of good things there was a really good football game at MetLife Stadium Adam I think you're mistaken uh oh. what happened was the uh New York football Giants uh suck so we kind of knew that coming in so it wasn't terribly shocking uh 21 to 6 I think that uh listen you remember uh, in jest as it may have been, uh, calling for the Giants to win a game 17-16. The idea that the New York football Giants would come anywhere as close to holding Dallas to 16 points, you wouldn't have even dreamed upon a dream. Let, let's start here because I don't want to spend any time on it. Um, Mike Lennon has a terrible game. He throws three interceptions. Fromm comes in, you know, completes some passes, gets some yardage. And that that's one of the silver linings that people are coming out of this game with. I mean, do I do I have to? Like we had to come in on Wednesday or Thursday and talk about, oh, what are the expectations for Jake Fromm getting a start next week if Daniel Jones can't go? You you will. It's a it's a reality. What's crazy is that the third string backup that could never throw an NFL pass uh, for the Buffalo Bills came in, and Giant fans were super excited to see him, even though he doesn't have have a very strong arm. And he he actually his completion percentage was actually worse than Mike Lennon's yesterday. But people are still very excited to see him. So. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but maybe it's just this idea of like something they've never seen before. So they don't know it's terrible. Like, you know, it's a known commodity with Mike Lennon. And they're just hoping on a dream that Jake Fromm is, is somehow like defied all logic and has made, you know, it's, fallen it's into too the small sample flat. size, right? We don't know yet that he's bad or good. We, we could, how could we possibly tell off of one sample size? I'll tell you how you tell, by the way, uh, when you see a guy gearing up and throwing with all of his arm strength, when you're inside the 20 yard line and just ripping one clean through the end zone and over his receiver's head, that kind of tells you what to expect from a quarterback. But um, we'll say, we'll say that for later in the week. We'll break down that film. We're excited about it. I want to start, let's start positive after saying that the giants suck, but there is something about this game that I think is worth looking at from a, from a big picture standpoint and that's the defensive side of the ball. And I'll specifically start with one player. And I think it, it expands out from there. We know that they were decimated between IR injuries, COVID protocols, did not have a number of key players across this defense. Lorenzo Carter 
had the best game of his Giants career. It comes at the tail end of his fourth year, probably when, you know, you'd like to see this come on a little bit sooner. Had two sacks, also had two hits for a loss. He broke up a pass. I think, uh, I don't want to miscredit him with a, with an additional play there. But this is a guy who, I'll frame it this way, was Lorenzo Carter just taking taking time to develop? Four years is a little bit long for that to be the case. But what you can say is, hey, Remember how we didn't have a lot of quality guys to get after the quarterback, and then you go and you draft uh, you draft Ojolari? This can be the byproduct of that. As, as offenses have to respect what another player can do, it starts to open up some opportunities on the other side of the ball. So I, I think you're starting to see a sample size of what could be possible for uh, Lorenzo Carter, and he's probably a guy, again, I've said it before, I hope they keep him around. Price point's going to be a key a key issue, obviously, in the offseason, but I think he could be a rotational player as this defense continues to get better. Oh, you know, Adam, as as the age, you know, the age old adage goes, you just got to wait until their 46th career game to really see someone out of, yeah, out of his shell and flourish. And listen, just by, just by laws of of probability, like one (laughs) guy on the defense is going to end up getting a couple sacks and, and looking good. And I don't mean to say that to diminish what Lorenzo Carter did, but we have years and years and years of tape of him underwhelming and not really delivering what the Giants did. Of course. But, you know, silver lining is he did look good. He had three quarterback hits. He forced a fumble. He had the two sacks. He was great on defense, and he really gave Dak Prescott problems. So, you know, high five to, to Lorenzo Carter. But really, overall, the entire defense looked great. You know, think about how many people they were down. They they were down so many people in their secondary that Alex Bachman literally was the backup and reserve cornerback in, in emergency use. He hasn't played cornerback since high school, Adam. So, like, that, that's how that's how desperate it was. No Adoree Jackson, no Aaron Robinson. Um, you know, kudos to, to guys like Leonard Williams who could have just mailed it in and been like, nope, I'm not playing because of my elbow. He's out there gritting it through because he wanted to beat the Cowboys. So, Overall, giving up 21 points to a top five offense in the league is is nothing to to you know throw your head down and shame at. Like the Giants' defense was not the reason why they lost this game. No, of course not. And, and I think so. We talked about this before, right? It, 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 there's a lot of things not to be excited about on this team, but I, that's why I start with Lorenzo Carter because with all the players you don't have, and then you think, well, Leonard Williams, who was playing through with a brace to play through an injury. He guts it out there. I think we obviously we obviously like him, right? And we we've talked about different players and price points, but you need you do need to spend money somewhere. So we're not you know this isn't the idea that every player should be five million or less per year. You have Dexter Lawrence; he's shown a couple of flashes as the years gone on. When you get into that linebacking core, I think that's where you have in the middle of it. No Blake Martinez this year. He'll be coming back from injury. Tay Crowder has shown you more than anticipated. Certainly brought in a guy like McKinney. You get to the secondary. Okay, Adoree Jackson's going to be here. Not 100% sure what's going to happen with Bradbury, but that's okay. You have Xavier McKinney on the back end. You have a guy like Aaron Robinson, who very small sample size, but we think he looked like he flashed enough to say this guy could come along and be something. When you're on the defensive side of the ball for the Giants, you can look at it and, and, and say, hey, we, got a, we have a handful of really talented players here that can be a part of what we do going forward, not even just aged veterans that you're going to want to unload. So... From that standpoint, you can at least think, while I still am fully committed to the idea that you need to go into this offseason rebuilding, new GM, looking over the entire roster, I think we'll find 
that there are a handful of worthwhile pieces on that side of the ball, as opposed to the other side where, you know, it's a borderline disaster. But, but do you agree defensively that you can, you can still check a handful of boxes here when this year's over? Yeah, I think you're right about there's, there's some good things to take away on the defense, right? Like giving up 21 points, like I said, to a top five offense division rival is fine. Like that's okay. You're you should be in that game. You should have the ability to win it. I do think that, that there are good foundational pieces on defense that I think would be accentuated if they had a formidable pass rush, right? Like they, they need a defensive end that can wreak havoc and wreck things on the offense. And I feel like this defense, like it may be just one or two players away from actually looking like a top 10 defense in the NFL. Oh, hundred percent. And that's, you said edge rusher. That's why I mentioned, you, know, you see Lorenzo Carter, maybe getting a little bit of benefit of this. The next step is bring in another premier edge rusher through the draft. Give yourself someone to pair with Aziz Ojolari. And now if you do keep around Lorenzo Carter, he's a nice piece to rotate in. And again, we, we don't know what the defensive front is going to look like either. Right now it's constituted by a lot of big bodies that you want to occupy, control the line of scrimmage, try to shut down the run. But but that can evolve as well. You know, we've we've yet to kind of have a guy. Leonard Williams is, is as close to that vein as we currently have. But I think a player that can kick inside, but also go out on the edge. And then you can start to think on having a guy with his hand in the dirt alongside Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence that that have the ability to really push and collapse that pocket from the middle or from the outside a little bit. So but these are all the things. It, it, the bottom line is you can start to layer these players and feel good about it. And in a game against, listen, Dak Prescott's been up and down. He's dealing with some injuries. But you have to like that that a defense, when you saw what was going on, on the other side of the football, and we'll get to it in a minute, there was no world where the Giants were going to score any points yesterday. And yet the defense tried to hold its own, gave up 21 points to a really good Dallas team with a lot of weapons, you hung around the. Not, you didn't hang around the game. I was framing it wrong. But you, you did. You put up a good performance on that side of the ball. And in games, as we've now seen multiple weeks, because remember that was a seven-point performance against the Chargers, not a twenty-one. Multiple games where the offense is not is putting up single digits. You're walking into a game where you know you're going to lose, and the defense is still coming to play. So that's a credit to those players and a credit to Patrick Graham for being able to motivate them in that way. Yeah, Adam. I mean, it goes without saying. We wanted to start out positive on the show. We'll give a thumbs up to the defense. They're playing hard. And even through all of these injuries and people on the COVID list and everything else, they did their job. But there is a whole nother side of the ball that did not do their job. And I'm I'm I don't know where you want to start because I feel like we could go around the entire offensive unit one by one and specifically talk about the underwhelming performances that we saw. Yeah, it'd be easy to go a lot of different places. Um, we know Sterling Shepard suffered an injury uh, in the game as well. So, you know, you want to talk a little, and that's not even about the play on the field. But unfortunately, as we know, his circumstance and the cap hit, this is trending in a direction of a team that's going to want to move on from a guy that can't stay on the field in spite of being a great locker room presence. I'm going to start on the offensive line. There's somebody else that I really want to get to. Just almost just as much. There's a 1A, 1B. But let's start with... The offense in a Will Hernandez nutshell, because we just talked about Kevin Zeitler and what he's doing in the NFL right now, that he was a player the Giants possessed, and you chose to go away from him, and you chose to resubmit a player that lost his starting job the year prior, 
as your starting guard. And he was a disaster. And he's been a disaster for a handful of weeks now. And this just really does feel as Dave Gettleman of, of a forced thing as possible because Gettleman drafted him high in the second round. And it's just he can't get off him. And then probably the biggest indictment you can have about him and about this team right now is the inability to move off of a player that is not producing for some sense of obligation or loyalty to them. Will Hernandez has been terrible, and he was terrible yesterday. He's been very, very subpar for years. Like like you said, this is not like, oh, a little bit of a regression in the last couple games. or Like in the preseason of, of 2020, I basically said, we need to see Shane Lemieux as opposed to Will Hernandez out there. It's no secret that at, I, I've I've been saying this at nauseum. It's no secret that when Will Hernandez is at guard, whatever side of the field he's on, whether it's left guard or right guard, the tackle all of a sudden looks like they can't play football, right? Like th- think about it. Well, we we had Nate Nate Solder was on the left side. He looked absolutely horrible next to Will Hernandez. Then Will Hernandez steps up when it when we draft Andrew Thomas, and they're the left side of the line. Andrew Thomas looks like he could be a potential bust with how bad he's playing. Now we, we bench Will Hernandez. We think an offseason is going to change things. Now we put him on the right side. And guess what? Matt Pert, not very good on the right-hand side. Nate Solder, not very good on the right-hand side. Guess what? Andrew Thomas is flourishing, and we don't even know who the guard's going to be in and out on the left-hand side. It's always coming back to Will Hernandez. I've been saying this for two years now. The, the saddest part, Adam, is we really can't find a practice squad player or someone else to put in at right guard. That's how sad this is because everyone sees it with their own two eyes. Yet what the coaching staff and and Dave Gettleman are telling you is that we literally have no better options than putting Will Hernandez out there every single game to get whatever quarterback back there killed. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Like I'm not even going to add anything else to it. I'll, I'll add to it that when you look at the offensive line from where it was coming into the year to where it is now, remember with the injury that Nick Gates sustained, you cannot assume that he's going to come back. Remember in a contract year, nonetheless, what is that going to look like? Maybe you get him on a team friendly deal to see if it's possible for him to return to play. He has a long road ahead of him. There's nobody else on the offensive line. You're not sure what Will Pert is anymore. You thought that he was going to be a starting right tackle. We know that they've been using Nate Solder instead. So you went from maybe thinking you had two or three positions locked up on this line last year to having one, and that's Andrew Thomas. So that means that you're effectively, and again, this goes back into why we keep saying it needs to be a rebuild because you're still missing three, if not four spots on the offensive line to help build this thing out. And whether it's through free agency or through the draft, you're going to have to address it. It's been a, It's been an absolute disaster. I won't, well, there'll be plenty of time to keep, to, to recycle back into this. I'll move on to the next thing that really bothered me. And that's Saquon Barkley. I, I'm sorry, man. And guess what? The proof is in the pudding because there was a guy in the backfield with him that outproduced him in this game. So you can say that the offensive line is bad, but guess what? It's the same bad offensive line in front of Devontae Booker. That's in front of Saquon Barkley and 15 carries for 55 yards. It's flat out. Not good enough. <laughs> You're not wrong. I mean, th- this is the, this is the problem. I said we could go around. We literally probably are going to go around to like five guys on the offense and, and be like, they underperformed or underwhelmed. Saquon Barkley has not rushed for more than 64 yards. And that was last week against the Chargers, who are the 31st or 32nd run defense in the entire league. So they're, they're the worst. So like the worst team to rush up against Saquon Barkley can get 60 something yards. And look, it there's no reason. Here's the thing. We talked about Sterling Shepard. 
Sounds like it's an Achilles injury. We know that that is a grueling, grueling injury to come back from. Yep. Uh, you know, the, the cap hit, I think he counts at about $7 million in dead cap, but the Giants could save 5 or $6 million by moving on from, from Sterling Shepard. I expect that to happen. It, look, I like Sterling Shepard. Just real quick, because I said this last episode, I think, but I want to reiterate it. When, they, when we say things, or, you know, it's like when the Giants say, or when NFL people say, they'll save five million dollars by moving off them by cutting you're not saving the money it's the same thing about the kevin zeitler piece you paid 2.5 million dollars to have kevin zeitler go sign somewhere else and play football you didn't pay the rest of the contract so you know it's like you still pay what ends up being is you're paying five point something million dollars for sterling Shepard to go play somewhere else that counts against your cap it's money you don't get to spend it just it gets you off of the rest of the contract so they want to be really clear about this idea of save it's not saving money it's just avoiding having to pay the rest of what ends up being in a lot of these cases for the giants bad contracts that you shouldn't assign people to right you're paying less but but you don't have you're paying less for nothing by the way you're paying less for air but but again with with an injury like this for sterling Shepard going to be tough to see if he's going to be able to get healthy by training camp. I mean, Achilles can, can be uh, a year long. I mean, you, you saw what happened with Kevin Durant. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that can linger and it can be a debilitating injury. It's tough for someone like Sterling Shepard who needs to be explosive on the outside. Right. And, and he's probably even, he's actually probably a really good candidate for a restructuring. If I'm being honest, right. Cause if you're the giants and you want to avoid paying the dead cap hit and getting him just off the team completely, you probably go to him and say, Hey, listen, let's stretch this thing out over the next three years. Let's really break down the financial hit. Let's see what you look like. And if not, you'll still end up getting a nice little guaranteed chunk at the end of it, but it won't incur a dead cap hit for us. He could end up living on this roster next season and never playing, but only costing the giants a few million dollars. And because his value is going to be nothing on the market, that might be the most effective route for, for uh, the giants to go with Shepard. That's a little bit further down the road. Yeah. So I started with him. We really hope he, he gets, gets better speedy recovery. He may have played his last game as a giant if they can't restructure him, but uh, think, you know, fingers crossed that he, he he's come, can come back healthy regardless if he's playing for the giants. But I, I lump Sterling Shepard and Saquon Barkley kind of together because they're two guys on the offense that every Giant fan likes or wants to root for or wants them to be successful, right? Like, we all have these really good feelings about, you know, athletic playmakers, yep. homegrown talents that the Giants drafted in the first couple of rounds. We really want – there are guys. And it's even more disappointing. Sterling Shepard can't stay on the field for, for health concerns. But it's just more demoralizing when someone like Saquon Barkley ends up not meeting those expectations because we're rooting so hard. We want him to be that game changer. We want to pride. Like I have a Saquon Barkley jersey. I want to pridefully wear that thing and say that's our guy. The biggest uh, problem. The biggest problem, Adam. There. You've is, invested financially in this player. You, I'm, you I'm too. The jersey. Yeah. I'm too. Fi- well, I got it as a gift, but I'm too. I'm too <laughs> invested in, in Saquon's <laughs> success. I mean, I can't, I'm tired of getting new jerseys, Adam. That's, that's that's really what it comes down to. You know, I had Kevin Boss jerseys, I had JPP jerseys. The list can go on and I had Jeremy Shockey jerseys. I'd like to have one that I could have for many, many years to come. You could be, you're a bit of a jinx, I guess, or you're, or, or you're a bit of a foreshadow, right? If, if Andy Makowitz owns your jersey and you're your New York, New York football giant, you're not going to stay in New York football. Yeah, it's probably not going to work out for you. But uh, again, the, the reason why I say this is because it is so disappointing with Saquon. Like, Booker, Booker, I have been very critical of the Booker signing, thinking that you don't need to pay a backup that much money. I still actually feel that way, but Booker is showing you how 
interchangeable running backs can be if you literally don't have one of the top three running backs in the league. Like when Derrick Henry's out there or Alvin Kamara's out there or even Christian McCaffrey, like you notice it because teams like literally have to game plan around it. No one's game planning for Saquon Barkley anymore, right? No, by the way. 2.53 2.53 million may feel like a lot for a backup running back. Is it a lot for a starting running back? Because because <laughs> that's because on this team, Booker has been more productive than Saquon Barkley has. And before this game, he was out carrying him on a per average basis. I think 4.1 to 3.3. So he was almost a yard ahead of him. And listen, I, I get that Saquon's coming off an injury and I get it takes time and he's had little tweaks, but it's just reality. You're heading into an offseason where going into next year, he's going to be seven point something on the book, 7.2 million on the books for you. And I'm not saying that that's like an insane number, but you know, you're going to the last year of his contract and about extending him, et cetera. Just take those two numbers let's just say you go with the method of moving off of sterling shepherd you'll have you'll free up i'm going to frame it that way not save you'll free up five million dollars by getting rid of sterling shepherd you could free up over seven million by letting go of saquon barkley does 12 million dollars appeal to anyone when you just recently did not retain the services of kevin zeitler for guess what 12 million dollars this year and 14 million dollars the next year like yeah these things matter. Like th- th- these decisions are difficult, but when you're looking at a team and you're thinking about injuries and production, you just have to detach yourself from the emotional investment of a player that yes, the giants drafted you love, you want to see do well. I, I want to get to, so, I mean, that is that I- I'm leaving most of the wide receivers, you know, Kenny Galladay, I've been critical of his game. I- I'm not going to hold on anything against him in this one. Glennon's a disaster. W- w- what can you expect? So we're going to leave them off the table, leave them off the table. But from the offensive perspective, I do want to look at the tight end group because per tight end group, because Patricia Trania, uh, who covers the uh, who covers the New York football giants for uh, Sports Illustrated, writes a number of great articles. Here's just a little it's just something to think about. OK, the Giants, the Giants currently pay eleven point eleven point one million dollars to the tight end position this season. It's second most in the NFL this year, second this year, second most behind only the New England Patriots, New England Patriots. They have had the production value of catching 62 passes through week 14 for 62 of 87, 77, 71% catch rate, 600 yards, 600 yards, 31st downs, a decent but not great 96 NFL rating. They also have 300, also have 310 yards after the catch, but three drop catch, but three drops and are seven of 14 on contested catches. So 50, 50 on those catches in those catches as well. I, I just, just the point is when you pay that much money into the group and obviously Kyle Rudolph represents a lot of that, but Evan Ingram is not an insignificant, it's not an insignificant cap hit right now and potentially about to now and potentially about to go up. This is another example of being, you're too far down, you're too far down this road now. You know, you we, you know, you and I have jokingly gone back and jokingly gone back and forth about Evan Ingram a bit, like it, what the state of his game is. But this feels this feels very akin to Sterling Shepard, very akin to Saquon Barkley. Here's Saquon Barkley. Here's a guy that we drafted, super athletic, it's super athletic. We think they can really do some things for us. And then, like, at what point is it just it never got there? And guess what? There. And guess what? Now you're past. Now you're past. Asked, now you're past that spot where you would have said. Take anything you want. And this actually is a little bit. I'll keep coming back to this. I'll keep coming back to this. Uh, Evan Ingram, I'll have to pull up Evan Ingram. I'll have to pull up what his cap it, cap it is this year. If you had traded him last year, like I like I said they should have been doing before before this offseason, you would have you would have had 
another three, four million to put towards retaining Kevin Zeitler. The difference of what the difference of what it costs from wanting to restructure from wanting to restructure him versus paying him outright for 12 million. So if you're a Giants fan, you tell me, would you rather have Evan Ingram this season or would you have rather had Kevin? Would you have rather had Kevin Zeitler? And this again goes back to the descent goes back to the decision making process of Dave Gettleman in this organization. Yeah, I mean Evan Ingram making sixteen, making sixteen million. I mean, uh, sorry, six. Uh, sorry, six million dollars a year. Six million. There you go. Yeah, uh, yeah, six million. So when you think about that, c- coupled with Kyle Rudolph making what he is, that's why they're one of the they're one of the most expensive uh, tight uh, tight end groups in in the entire league. The biggest challenge, Adam, it, to me, is the in the game the. In the game, Evan Ingram showed exactly the microcosm, exactly the microcosm of his career with the Giants. Career with the Giants, where you see him running all these crazy, running all these crazy routes, and and, and you look at him, you're like, wow, he's super. Him, you're like, wow, he's super athletic. He turns around to make a catch, turns around to make a catch, and the ball literally hits him in the chest and falls on the ground. And 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 no one was surprised. Everyone kind of went, well, that's Evan Ingram. Then the next play, he comes back to the next play, he comes back to try to catch a ball where he has the where he has the first down. And then he runs backwards to try to make a bigger play. And the Giants don't pick up the first down. It's don't pick up the first down. It's fourth and inches. And, and like, and like, it's just so maddening and frustrating. When that guy freaking did that, and he literally ran three yards away, ran three yards away from the line of scrimmage and then got tackled and then got tackled and had the balls to jump up and give the first down indication. I was like, you are like, you are such... You're right. It's such a, you're right. It's such a micro. You're like, dude, you, yeah, you were there. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? What are you doing this effort? And by the way, I think it is a way. I think it is a compounding thing with him specifically where like he hasn't been as successful as you want. He hasn't been as productive. So then as productive. So then every play that he gets his hands on the ball, gets his hands on the ball. He wants to make, we saw this early in his career. We saw this early in his career. Remember getting upended and flipped over. He tried to hurdle a guy for an extra two yards. Like there is just this world you can live in this world. You can live in Evan Ingram or any NFL player of NFL player of you got the first down. That's it. Like you've already done your job. Anything after that is going to be too much. And we saw this uh, in a couple other, a couple other games, a couple other games. And one of it may have been in this one as well. It's like you can as well. It's like you catch the football. You're trying to break out of the tackle. And now the second defender comes up and punches it out. When you have three, four defenders, you have three, four defenders around you breaking out of the first, breaking out of the first tackle isn't really the thing that's going to help you or move. You know, it's not going to move the needle. Just take what you have and get there. And by the way, have and get there. And by the way, you mentioned about his production, about his production and, and the microcosm of his game. I'll just touch back to Saquon briefly, where he ran a route out of the backfield. He literally stopped, literally stopped and and, and backed himself away, backed himself away from the play. I I'm guessing for someone else that he thought was going to catch a football. Like there's been a re- like there's been a regression in that area of Saquon's game, area of Saquon's game too, catching the football. This is a guy that caught 90 passes once upon a time. And he doesn't seem to have any rhythm or consistency in that area of his game as well. This is all just well. This is all just it's, it's getting into this bubble and getting into this bubble now as we as we jump around a little bit, but inside of the same collection of players that we keep driving home, keep driving home, players that are either Go are either going to cost us a significant amount, or are you know potentially going to walk in free agency, potentially going to walk in free agency, whatever the case may be. These are all interesting. These are all interesting players that add up to 
15, 20, 30 million dollars over, you know, in the next couple of seasons. And this specifically is all season. And this specifically is all season. You're already on the books for 10 million for 10 million for Shepard and 7 million for Barkley. And what if, if you somehow inexplicably try to re-sign Evan Ingram, re-sign Evan Ingram, right? You can be talking about investing 25 to $30 million to three players that have been either injured, unproductive, inconsistent, inconsistent, unreliable. And I, and I can't see as much as we love these guys. And I'll even put Evan Ingram in there. I'm a fan of Evan Ingram as a person. He's done and said everything. He's done and said everything right in and around the game, around the game. But if you're going to invest $25, $30 million this offseason into three players that have had that history and track record, then we're doomed. Then we're doomed. Then we're doomed to live in this cycle for to live in this cycle for another five years. Well, I think it's it's interesting. I think it's it's interesting. If you would have asked any giant fan, any giant fan two years ago, you're like to go. You're like, we have this core nucleus of core nucleus of Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, and Saquon Sterling Shepard and Saquon Barkley. They're gonna be here for the long haul. Here for the long haul, you'd be like, Oh my goodness, that is amazing. that is amazing. And now you fast forward, and now you fast forward, and we're and we're talking about you know, Sterling Shepard's injury history, maybe trying to uh, get get off some of his contract. You're talking about not contract. You're talking about not resigning Evan Ingram. We're talking about saving eight. We're talking about saving eight million dollars by getting rid of Saquon Barkley, the Saquon Barkley. But Adam, it's the reality of the situation is that we need to tear. We need to tear this thing down. Right. Like that. Right. Like that. Yeah. Those those are guys that that we thought were part of the solution. It turns out we're we're not turning this thing around in in six months. It there it needs to there it needs to down to the studs, work through the draft, get a new general manager, and bring in new pieces here. We can't keep going back and saying well, going back and saying well, let's sign Evan Ingram and hope that it works out. We know that it works out. We know what has happened with him. It, it, we cannot see that anymore on the field. And, and and so that that may so that that may you know taking a step back. We know the game we know the game stunk. We know that the Giants' offense stunk. The defense at least held their own. I, I just wanted to kind of think about a little bit of a higher level thing, a bit of a higher level thing in Joe Judge, right? Judge, right? Yeah. Like he continues to to say things are encouraging. He loved the thing. He loved the fight that the team had, just not the execution. Just not the execution. I mean, where are you currently on Joe Judge? On Joe Judge as the as the head coach and and what can the giants do over the next do over the next handful of games to be able to give to be able to give you a clear indication either way of what we should be doing yeah i mean listen you hear these reports that that reports that 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 john Merrill looks at him as a bill at him as a bill parcells as a bill belichick and it's going to be next to impossible to move impossible to move off of him if you're john mara and john mara and I, I can understand the dedication to it and your dedication to it and you're you don't want to be you know, short-sighted as, as I think the giants have been sometimes. Right. So you don't want to keep repeating the same problem, but same problem, but you know, I, I mean, no, I, I mean, is it enough that it's Mike Glennon out there? And that's the, that's just the full blown excuse for the offensive side of the football I, side of the football. I, I don't think so. And I don't know. And I don't know if, you know, he's the head coach. And if we're crediting Patrick Graham for what he's been able to do, and this now makes two years where you feel two years where you feel like last year, he got more, he got more out of less. And then this year, I think he's adjusted well with the, with the comings and goings of players on that side of the ball players on that side of the ball. Now, Joe judge runs the team. So he team, so he gets some credit for, for the, 
the focus, the dedication. No one's bailed out. No one's saying, you know, you don't have a splintered locker room. But, but I, I don't know. You know, is Joe Judge capable? You know, is Joe Judge capable of calling offensive plays? Maybe that's what you know. Maybe you need to show me that you can put your hands on the weakest on the weakest point of this team, and and tell me that you, that you can do this. Tell me that you can make this thing better. It's a little tricky because a little tricky because I I do want to know behind want to know behind the scenes. And we talked about this last off season where it was. Hey, if we think that Joe Judge is starting to become a more equal part in in part in 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 the the organization as far as organization as far as who they draft and who they sign, well, in some instances you might say, okay, that's you know Andrew Thomas, you know Andrew Thomas, and that's Aziz Ojolari, Aziz Ojolari, and, and the guys that we like that the Giants have gotten in the last year and a half. But then you would say, but the Kenny Galladay signing is a part of that. Is a part of that. Right. Like, you know, the perspective on this perspective on this team is a part of that. So it's tricky, man, because I, I can't tell if Joe Judge quietly knows, quietly knows that he had to wait out. He had to wait out Dave Gettleman. Right. Like I have to wait him out so I can get him out so I can get in my guy or I I or I, I become the Bill Belichick type in terms of type in terms of control of the organization. I don't think that he's earned that. And as much as I liked him coming in and I, I could still like things about what he's like, things about what he's done. I, I, the tear it down to the, the tear it down to the studs piece, man. Listen, name the number of organizations that successfully have either a have either a GM, you know, a GM that gets a coach GM that gets a coach forced on him or a coach that's in place that then a GM comes in and can't get rid of him or has to have a quarterback stick around. It doesn't work. So it doesn't work. So I, there's some things like player things like players as well, where you just go, it's just, it's just a Saquon Barkley thing. Sorry, we have to rebuild. We have to rebuild. You're going to be one of those casualties because those casualties, because we can't have a new GM come in and say, but we really like these players and we really like this coach. So if you could go ahead and make the, if you could go ahead and make this work, we've seen too many examples of it, too many examples of it not being successful. You, you're absolutely right. And that's the biggest problem here, Adam, is that I don't think that there's a, that there's a a silver bullet to be able to like, say, be able to like, say, this is exactly how we have to do it. What we know is that there has to be some type of changes. Uh, I wanted to give a little bit, I wanted to give a little bit of context because I think this is important to, is important to kind of put a bow on everything. Mm -hmm. Daryl Slater of, of NJ.com. I had a good article just talking about the off season and, and Joe judge and what, and Joe judge and what needs to happen. And I thought that there were, and I thought that there was something really interesting and noteworthy where Joe Judge's record is ten and twenty right now, twenty right now. And if the Giants lose out, the Giants lose out, which they're probably going to be underdogs in every single game that they play for the rest of the season. Sure, sure. Joe Judge will end up with a ten, a ten and twenty three record, which just so happens to be one win more, win more than. Pat Shermer had Shermer had in his nine and 29 and 23 record as the Giants head coach. And think about the hysteria about Pat Shermer not being the right guy and he being the right guy and he had to go and whether that decision was right or whether that decision was right or wrong. Joe Judge is going to be looking down the barrel of basically the exact same record with a team that we don't even know that had no that has more questions than answers than answers at this point. 
Of course. Yeah. And again, we said this before, too. Joe Judge said it, too. Joe Judge said it. The the fish stinks from the head down. Stinks from the head down. Well, guess what, Joe? I'm not even calling you the fish head. I'm calling John Mayer the fish head, right? Because he's the guy that's been there through all of it. And I, you know, you have to hire, you know, you have to hire the right people to make those decisions and unfortunate decisions. And unfortunately, the transition as we know, from McCorsey to Jerry Reese did not work out. The transition from Tom Coughlin to, from Tom Coughlin to McAdoo to Shermer to now Joe to now Joe Judge has not worked out. And the transition to Dave Gettleman has not worked out. You're you're further from the answer on the answer uh, than you thought you were going to be. You were going to be at the end of the day, we can say as we'll come back in later in the week and preview the next matchup, talk about some injury updates. Daniel Jones was sprinting and Jones was sprinting in a straight line in the pregame warmups for this game warmups for this one. And, you know, all jokes aside, I hope that he's healthy and capable of coming back. And unfortunately, when fortunately, when you look at this roster, you're going to be able to poster, you're going to be able to point to a lot of guys that you feel somewhere on a spectrum about what their value is and what they're capable of. And you're just going to have to say, and you're just going to have to separate yourself from that because that's where it is. And by the because that's where it is. And by the way, we started at the top. Uh, you know, this is a positive episode, by the way, in case you forgot. We were very positive. We started on the we started on the defensive side of the ball. Guess what? Like, guess what? Like, there's some guys that you might really like on the defensive side of the ball that can end up being casualties for the sake of the sake of restructuring the cap for the cap for the sake of getting a quality offensive quality offensive player in and sacrificing a good defensive player like that's the kind of fluidity that fluidity that you should hope to see if you're a new to see if you're a new york football giants fan that's the direction you want to go in and listen rest of the games to play out here the games to play out here there'll be positives to take away from it take away from it and unfortunately also gary brightwell had a sustained a neck injury as well so he's gonna be questionable that's one of the guys i was hoping to see more of down the stretch to get a sense of him to get a sense of him uh, you, you want to see as many young guys as possible as many young guys as possible the tragedy is most of those guys are most of those guys are hurt so uh we, we will come we, we will come back in Covering the New York Football Giants. Covering the New York Football Giants, as we say. You can follow us over on YouTube. Follow us over on YouTube, where we're posting up our episodes. Uh, download, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast needs fulfilled. And ultimately, ultimately, as Andy Makowitz would want, Makowitz would want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue. Yes, sir. 